Hello, dear parents. Welcome to my podcast. I am Pamela Query, and this is How to Parent Peacefully. I want to mention that this week's episode is very much inspired by my sister and a conversation she had with five-year-old twin girls. And she was talking to them and she asked them if they liked to wrestle. And they said that they hadn't tried, but they would love to. So their mom was up for the challenge, but she had some questions about how to get started with rough and tumble play. So as I absolutely love to talk about play, I decided to make this episode and dedicate it to Jo and her twin girls. And I hope that that they have a lot of fun with introducing these ideas or some of these ideas, perhaps, into their play. Welcome, dear parents. Welcome to episode 75 of the podcast, where I am asking, do you wrestle with your kids? And I'm going to be talking about why wrestling is such a good idea. And I will share with you everything you need to know about getting started with wrestling or physical play in your parenting. So you may or may not know that one of the things I'm most passionate about is the benefits of physical play with our kids. Um, I absolutely love talking about this topic because it's had such a big impact in my own parenting, my own life. Um, so by physically, uh, by physical play, what I mean is wrestling, chasing. I'm talking about pillow fights or sock fights. There's a great game where you can sit on the bed and try and pull each other's socks off. Um, I'm talking about like bucking bronco type games, you know, where you're on your hands and knees on a on the bed or on some cushions and your child's on your back and you're trying to playfully get them off your back. Uh, I'm talking about like piggyback joisting is another favorite and not used to be when my kids were uh, weren't too heavy for me to have them on my back. And we would run up and down and they would have some kind of soft implement to hit each other and hit us with as we like ran past um, with them on piggyback. So basically anything, anything where you play with your kids, where there's lots of physical movement and body contact. And of course, where you have lots of physical movement and body contact, there's always lots of giggle, giggles and laughter following that. So um, when I say that, I'm wondering how it makes you feel. So this might fill you with absolute horror, but stay with me, stay with me if that's the case. Or you might be curious, which is great. Uh, or you might have tried it you might have tried physical play but it didn't really work out and things went wrong and uh, everybody got upset and you're wondering oh I don't know if I can make this work in my family so I want to talk about all of that and I really want to win you over to the joys and the huge benefits of physical play uh, and help you get that tradition started or maybe restart it and and working again for you and your family and and I think that whenever we really understand the benefits and why we are doing something, why it is important, then that gives us a really high motivation to adopt it into our lives. So hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll be dying to jump in and make this a regular part of your parenting and you'll know exactly how to do it safely and, and sustainably. Uh, so you know you can do it safely so it doesn't all go wrong the first time someone gets hurt and and also it has to be sustainable it has to be doable so it doesn't become just one more thing that you feel guilty about not doing in your family so I'm going to be talking about that as well so um and just to say I didn't consider myself a playful parent at all when I became a parent I didn't discover the joys of physical play until my daughter was about four years old. I didn't play, I didn't physically play with her at all before then. And 
you know what was going on for me was at that stage I was felt like I was spending like huge amounts of my time already with my daughter and the last thing I wanted to do was for somebody to tell me I had to also like bring in this physical play I got really like I get really irritated when she was bouncing off the walls and wanting to play with me and because I was already spending so much time engaging with her and playing things and I was like I don't really want to play I don't have the energy um, and if I'm honest, part of me also thought that that was her dad's job. You know, I was doing so much of the caring. I just didn't have any space for physical play on top of everything else. So this is something for everybody. It's not just for dads, for all parents. But then for me, on my journey with this, I read about how beneficial rough and tumble play can be for kids. I read about it. I became curious about it. And I thought I would give it a go. And really, we haven't looked back since. So wrestling and all kinds of other physical play really became part of my parenting. I am so grateful for that because all those joy, all that joyfulness, all those giggles, all that laughter, all that messing about, it has really enriched all of our lives. And it's really helped my kids deal with the stresses of life. And it has really strengthened our relationship as well. And the thing is that children relate through play. It's how they learn, it's how they grow, it's how they process what's going on for them in the world. It's how they heal from difficult things that have happened. There is something about physical play, you know, where we are bringing our full attention, where we are in our bodies and we are, you know, really fully joining our kids in their world. It's, you know, kids absolutely thrive on that. They love that, they love that quality of excitement and energy and connection and attention that only physical play can bring. Uh, just you know, sitting, concentrating and playing a board game just doesn't have the same impact on a child's nervous system and on their emotional world as you know, as when you really join them in physical play. And of course, other types of play are really helpful and really beneficial. And um, kids need all different types of attention, but physical play is one that can sometimes get pushed to one side or forgotten about a little bit. So, and it has, the thing is that it has so many benefits, but and I'd like to share with you what I've noticed with my own kids is that it has really helped them to be physically confident. It has helped them, you know, they've had this sense of like being able to fight back against stressful things that have happened in their lives. And it really gives them this sense of agency and control and power which is a, it's really important. Children live in a world where they don't have a lot of control, where they don't have a lot of say in the things that happen around them. All day long, they're getting told in, in childcare or school or at home, like what they have to do and when they have to do it. And they have very little um, power and control themselves. So whenever we um, bring in physical play and we give back a little bit of that agency and that sense of power and control, it is a really important like counterbalance to all the times, the many, many times a day they felt like they didn't have much say in what was happening around them. So it's like giving a little bit and it's just for a short time. We give that power back to our children and it's such a strong counterbalance and it's so important, so empowering for them to feel that and to feel in control and then it can help to dissolve you with power struggles in other aspects um, of your parenting and of your lives where you get into these power struggles with your kids so physical play can actually be a real counter to that and can really help to dissolve those power struggles uh, it is it really helps kids to learn to regulate their emotions so 
children have you notice whenever you play with them physically they have this experience of you know, really ramping up their energy and getting really excited and then you are helping them to learn to dial it back down again like for example if somebody gets hurt and you're like okay we need to pause and that exuberance they need to they, they start to learn to wind that back in or if they go too hard and they are hurting someone and you say okay we need to back off a little bit you're teaching children to back down a little bit to to regulate themselves and to have that awareness of the impact that they have on other people and how to bring that back down whenever they need to so it's like like learning to attune to other people and to notice them which is so very very helpful in all aspects of our lives um, and another great benefit is that it teaches children about consent. And this is something that, that this, this unexpected thing that I realized when I was you know, through this process of playing physically with my kids. And what happens is, is that, um, you know, children are they they are tuning in to who they're playing with, to the to the adults and the other children that they're playing with. Then they're noticing that impact that they're having. And then, you know, we have this rule that if someone isn't enjoying themselves, if they get hurt or if it's clear, you don't even have to wait to that point. If it's clear they're not having fun, they're not enjoying themselves. We have to pause and make sure they're OK. And of course, that that is really respecting this idea that no means no, that children can then have this embodied experience of their boundaries being respected and they get to practice respecting what it is to respect someone else's boundaries. And they need often need a lot of help with that at the beginning. And it's our role as parent to support that and to help that until they are better able to do it themselves. So and that's something I've really seen with my own kids that whenever we model that, whenever we're physically playing together, that, you know, if someone's not, you know, we need to pause now because this isn't good. This person's not enjoying themselves, that they're able to bring that out into other aspects of their lives. Um, and that is such a such a profound thing and so important for girls and boys both to learn this idea of consent and noticing and being respectful of other people's boundaries. It helps with sibling rivalry as well. I think this is one of the top things you can do for sibling rivalry, as well as like one to one time is probably the number one thing, you know, where you give undivided attention to one child at a time. That's a great thing for sibling rivalry. But also whenever you can set up this physical play where siblings get to gang up on their parent or their parents and work together against you, that is like such a great way to build that sibling relationship and they have this excitement and this this um this experience of working together to get you um then that that can really help help their bonding and help their connection and help them get on really well at other times as well and it builds this idea of it does really playing like this really builds strong bonds so you connect on a very different level with your children when you play with them physically and kids really crave that they remember it and it's this like real felt sense of being loved and accepted and delighted in by their parents and children whenever we play with them physically it's like this embodied sense of being seen and heard and met their excitement is met their exuberance is met um, by you in a really affirming way so that is such a, a lovely thing for children to experience with their parents or their caregivers 
So children really feel seen and heard when we play with them physically in a respectful way that doesn't overpower them. And I'll talk about that more a little bit later. That's really important how we actually interact with them. So it's actually an empowering interaction and not one where they um, feel overpowered or uh, or afraid or out of control. That's really important. And most of all, physical play is fun. We all need more fun. This world is so serious. There, fun has always been squeezed out. So we need to reclaim that fun. It's like part of what it is to be human. It's part of what it is to be a mammal is play is, you know, one of the, the defining characteristics of being a mammal. It is very core to who we are. So we need like lots of fun. And it's such a great thing to be able to model that and to be able to experience that with our children. And, you know, I've heard some people say that it's not a parent's job to play with their kids. That that's you know kids should play with other kids it's not our job as a parent it's not my job to play with my kids but what i say to that it play has so many benefits that if you cut yourself off from that then you're losing out on those lovely benefits of being able to build relationship and bonding and all those other things that i've talked about around consent and helping our children learn about their emotions and helping learn helping them learn about regulating uh, and all the bonding that happens. So we're really missing out on all of that whenever we close ourselves off to this kind of physical play with our kids. So how could you not want that? It's really about joining children at their level, joining them in their world and, uh, you know, experiencing that world with them. And of course, yes, back in the days when we were all hunter gatherers, the responsibility of parenting was shared by the whole community and there were lots of people around to be playful and there was other children too and all of everybody was were meeting children's needs for um playfulness and excitement and fun but we've lost all of that we've lost so much of our community so it does fall on the shoulders of parents now i'm not saying that's fair but that's the reality of what we're living in at the minute so um by you know by joining our children and playing with them it's it's a small way to regain some of those benefits of living in a wider community where there would be a lot of playful interaction, a lot of physical play, because our, our children really crave that. So we are using it as a small way to meet the needs that our children have anyway in a society that's not set up very well for parents and children and where the responsibility of parenting isn't shared very well. So we can reclaim a little bit of that. OK, so that is my little rant about why I love physical play so much and why it's such a, a it's such a beneficial thing to bring into your parenting so beneficial for you for your child and for the relationship that you are creating with them and investing in them and the relationship so I hope I've won you over with with that so let's move on and talk about how to do it how to get started how to uh, have a physical play practice in your family so the first thing is to pick an appropriate time. So maybe if you're just getting started, you might want to find a time at the weekend when you've got plenty of time, plenty of space for any big feelings that are gonna come up. So you can navigate it all. You know, you don't wanna do it when you like have to rush out to school or whether you're, and at first you maybe don't want to do it when um, it's really close to bedtime. Now the thing is that a lot of parenting wisdom would say, you know, don't ramp your kids up before bedtime. Don't play with them physically. And in fact, physical play before bed can, it is so connecting. It can really help bedtime to go so much better. 
Now you need to leave a little bit of time if you're gonna like have a big physical play right before bedtime and then you know five minutes later expect lights to be out that's probably not going to work but what can work really well is you have dinner uh, and then at the very beginning of the bedtime routine you have like 10 minutes of physical play and then you build into that routine uh sometime afterwards to you know children will go in this natural arc of their excitement will rise up and it will you know sort of go off the charts and then it will peak and then it will naturally come back down again and what you've done is you've like injected in lots of lovely connection and warmth and feelings of security and safety and all those things are going to actually help your child sleep better so when you get a bit more confident it's absolutely okay to wrestle in the evenings after dinner it's such a good idea but maybe to begin with just pick a time where you've got plenty of space you're not have to be anywhere you don't have to get the kids off to sleep uh, maybe on a weekend or something like that, whenever you've got or school holidays, when you've got plenty of time to figure this out. OK, so that's the first thing is pick an appropriate time. Number two is picking a game. So I'm talking about wrestling and that's the classic one, isn't it? So wrestling on a mattress or on the bed or on a whole lot of cushions that you've put on the floor or some pads, you know, like, you know, soft those IKEA gymnastic pads or something that you put on the floor they they all work really really well and you know the aim can just be you can come up with your own aim but you know the one we use is just to push each other off the mattress or the bed or whatever it might be so that's the classic physical play the wrestling the roughhousing or it could be other physical games that you could bring in um I've talked about some of those already you know trying to buck your child off your back games of chase pulling each other's socks off pillow fights you know have, keep it below the neck hitting getting hit on the head is a bit uncomfortable um and uh, uh anything any kind of physical game piggyback rides things like that all of those things will count but I'm going to really just keep my focus on talking about wrestling because that's the classic one and it's such a great place to start and you'll find that your own family you start to invent other kind of physical play games that work for you and your family and your kids are very creative and they'll come up with other things so but let's just stick today to talking about wrestling so you've picked your game we're picking wrestling for this example and then the next thing that I recommend that you do is to set a timer for 10 minutes you can do less if you can only manage five minutes that's absolutely fine if you can do a little bit more maybe 15 minutes I wouldn't go much above that because it's hard to give children your attention and to fully commit to it for more than that and the great thing about a timer is that you know how long it's going to last and this is what makes it sustainable right if you set the timer for 10 minutes it means you're more likely to do it because you're like okay this is a start and an end can I commit to this for 10 minutes yes I can or maybe it's no I can commit to five minutes that's all I've got in me tonight and then you know it's going to be over and um, then you're much more likely to be able to do it if you wrestle and it just it goes on without end and it goes on too long and then everybody ends up getting upset and hurt and you know th there's no clear ending to it it can often end on a bit of a sour note and then you won't want to do it again but you can fully commit to 10 minutes when you know that's all you have to do so I highly recommend setting a timer for 10 minutes and trying it from that point okay so number four I would say is to agree the ground rules from the get-go and you can collaborate you know so it is important to have rules around this and you can collaborate with your kids to come up with the rules you know so you can ask your kids okay we're going to wrestle what do you think uh what do you think we should do what rule you know what, what can we do to make sure everybody stays safe is maybe a good way to put it um and they might come up with some funny things themselves but you know a good place to start is like no kicking 
no spitting. They're just some basic rules. Um, and no hurting people on purpose is usually one of our rules as well. So if someone is hurt or or even before they get hurt, if it doesn't look like they're having fun, then we pause. And what we do in our families, we actually come up with a silly word. I asked the kids for a word and they came up with the word jelly bean. Uh, so we just wanted a silly word to emphasize the fact that we needed to stop. Um, so if somebody is hurt and they need to stop for whatever reason, then we say jelly bean and everybody pauses and we check in with them and we don't start again until everybody's ready to. Um, so you can ask your kids to suggest, if you want to, you can ask them to suggest a, a funny word. And then it's important to playfully practice the starting and the stopping. Um, and th this is this is really important. So you you let, let, let's try out. Let's try out using our jelly bean word. So you wrestle and then you kind of dramatically shout jelly bean and then you're like, you make a big deal. Everybody has to stop and just playfully in a fun way. OK, we all pause, pause, breathe, everybody. Is everybody OK? OK, let's start again. And then you can go back into it again. Um, and um, so this is really about teaching the respect and the consent and noticing other people and helping our kids learn to regulate as well. They ramp it up, but then sometimes they need to ramp it back down again. And you might need to invest a bit of time up front when you, whenever you begin, if you haven't done much physical play with your kids, you might have to practice this a little bit. It might take, it might be a little bit clunky. It might be hard you know, when kids get excited and ramped up, it can be hard to bring it back down into more containment. Uh, and so you might need to practice it and it might take a little while, a little, a little bit of time before your kids um, are able to to you know, be flexible on this. But it's really worth the investment. And then it, wrestling tends to go a whole lot better when you have these ground rules in place to start with. And it's really about keeping everybody safe because you don't want to get you know it's not fun it's not fun for kids it's not fun for you if you're getting hurt by your kids and at the beginning they might be quite exuberant but quite quickly that's the other time you can use jelly bean it's not just if somebody gets hurt but like if your kids are getting really you know if they're doing something that's starting to feel too much for you or is getting overwhelming for you you can say okay hang on a minute jelly bean i need to bring this down a little bit this is getting a little bit much for me um, because we all have different levels of tolerance. Some of us can jump in and be really, really playful and exuberant. And for some of us, it can be actually quite triggering. You know, if a child like accidentally hits us around the head or throws an something at us and it hits us in a certain way, we can, you know, if we had some maybe difficult experiences ourselves as children, that that can actually trigger. It can be quite frightening for us. So sometimes we need to say jelly bean, that's a little bit too much. And then you might need to bring in a new rule like, OK, you can't throw anything at my head because when you throw something at my head, it's sore. And I also get a little bit frightened, like, you know, my my body gets frightened and, and I need to. It just doesn't work for me. So you can bring in these other rules that are specific to your family and to your um, level of uh ability and your level of comfort so it's not about getting it's not about being uncomfortable or putting up with your kids like beating up on you or anything like that you get to decide what level is okay for you and you know if physical play is super hard for you it might be like you might have to start with like just pushing each other over like not full-on physical contact but just like pushing each other over and falling over dramatically and having kind of minimal contact to start with that's certainly something that you can work out with your kids and um, so you can do it at your own level of comfort that's really important okay so number five is to expect tears and upsets yes 
someone is definitely going to get hurt whenever you are playing physically and no it isn't the end of the world it's okay so what happens in wrestling often i hear parents say oh yeah i tried wrestling with my kids but everybody you know somebody got hurt and then there was a huge big tantrum and the whole thing was ruined and the whole thing was a disaster and we're never doing that again okay so the thing is that it is part and parcel of physical play that children get upset if they've got quite a backlog of feelings and this is the thing wrestling and physical play it really um, builds the emotional safety so children feel this emotional safety of the physical play and then they're like, oh, this is a great opportunity to bring all my upset to this moment. It's a great opportunity for me to have a tantrum about something small. And that's actually perfectly normal. It's, it's really healthy. And all you have to do, so if your child has a big tantrum um, because they got elbowed in the face accidentally, all you have to do, you can pause, pause the timer and you just say, okay, we're gonna pause for a second. All you have to do is listen attentively. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to scold anybody. You don't have to sort out a major argument. All you have to do is listen to that child, go empathize with them. Yeah, Ooh, that looks really sore. Yeah, I'm right here with you. Um, and when they get through that upset, and at the beginning, it might be quite big upsets if they haven't had this, uh, you know, if they haven't had this permission to, feel their feelings uh, to, uh, to, a, to a huge extent, then um, there might be some big upsets at the beginning. All you have to do is listen, know that it's normal, know that it's okay, and know that it's actually really, really helpful that your child is just clearing out some old emotional debris and they're gonna get back to themselves really quickly. Whenever they, whenever they um, are feeling okay again, you just unpause and get back to it. So at the beginning, it can look quite messy, but as you go on, uh, it will get less and less and your children will become more adept at like regulating their emotions, offloading any upsets that they have and then getting back. They'll want to get back into the play as quickly as they can. And that's uh, so you're, you're teaching them really helpful life skills there as well. So it's totally normal. Expect the upsets, welcome them, listen and then get back to it. Okay, number six is no tickling. This is an important rule. And um, the reason I have the no tickling rule is that so children, whenever you physically play with your children, you'll notice a lot of giggles, a lot of laughter, right? And that's really good and really great. And that's what you're going for, that sweet spot of all the giggling and laughter. But what tickling does, it kind of overpowers our children and they get this sort of involuntary type of laughter. And often you know people say well no but my child loves being tickled and the thing is they love the attention that they're getting from you and for some kids the only time they get attention that quality of attention is like through this tickling so they can ask for it and they really want it but what they're really wanting is that connection with you um it can be overpowering and overwhelming for kids it can be even hard for them to to, to ask you to stop because they can't breathe and they can't speak um, so I would say to just maybe you don't don't go for the don't go for the tickling and see if you can um, notice the laughter and the giggling that comes and how different it is uh, whenever it's that voluntary kind of laughter just by connecting and playing together. Um, so the, and the thing is, you can like you know you could 
if you're attached to tickling and you want it to be part of it, you can do it in a really consensual way. So you can just go really gently, you can back off, you can check that it's okay. Do you want me to stop? And and you can even just giving that impression of tickling, like getting your hands and moving towards your child. And I'm going to tickle you, come here. Even that can get the giggles going without even touching them. So you can kind of wean them off the tickling that way as well. Uh, but I would uh, invite you to think about tickling and um, whether you really need to have it whenever you're meeting your child's needs for, you know, connection and attention anyway. Okay, so that's number six, no tickling. Number seven is about attuning to your child or to your children. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go in with all of your full strength and excitement because that can feel a bit too much for kids. And often we do this as adults. We like throw ourselves into it with a lot of enthusiasm and that can be a little bit overwhelming for our kids. So what you want to do instead is you want to attune to them and you want to match their level of excitement but not get too carried away with it. And what can really work here, instead of being like the big scary monster who's going to like grab them and eat them up, you can back off a little bit and just experiment with this, experiment with backing off a little bit and try being the silly monster, the, 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 the less powerful monster that can't quite catch them and gets really annoyed when they, you got out of my grasp, I was about to push you off and I wasn't able to do it. Uh, so you want to, you very much want to let your children win, but you know, you make them fight for it as well. You don't have to be a total pushover, but you want to give them that experience of being the more powerful one. Um, and then allowing them to have the upper hand and you are, the tables are turned. You are the incompetent one. You're the one who can't get it right and that they keep escaping and they keep winning. And you're really bothered about that in a fun way. And, and that's where you'll find the giggles. That, that's where you'll find those lovely voluntary giggles. Um, and that's the sweet spot of where you want to be. If you notice your child is shrieking or screaming quite a lot, then that probably means it's a little bit too intense, a little bit scary. And I invite you just to notice that and to back away from the shrieking, just tone it down a little bit and go into like sort of a more playful, silly, less powerful role and notice how those shrieks will kind of turn into giggles and that's where you want to be with it. So I, I invite you just to play with that a little bit and sometimes you'll go a bit over the top and just notice that and then just bring it back down a little bit and notice how your children respond. But you really want to be in that lovely zone where they're giggling and laughing and not feeling too overwhelmed. Okay, so you're really attuning, you're attuning to their level of excitement and you're meeting their level of strength with some resistance, but letting them get the upper hand. So that's really important to be aware of where you're at and having that self-awareness that you don't completely overpower your children. And it comes back to, as well to that place where you know, children spend most of their day, most of their lives not having the power and control. So you get these really rich benefits of just for this 10 minutes of giving your child that sense of control again, that they get to be the one who is, is good at this, that wins and that overpowers you. That's a really important counter for our children in this world where they don't have a lot of say often. Okay, number eight is a warning that if you haven't done a lot of physical play with your children, then they are going to want more and more and more of it. And they might be very, very upset when the timer goes off and it's time to finish. And what I would invite you to do is to stick to that ending, stick to that timer. It's actually really helpful 
and it's okay for them to be upset whenever this lovely connecting time is over. And the thing is that as it becomes a regular practice, when they know that there's more of that lovely connection around the corner, then they will they will become okay with these endings. And look, endings are hard. So children, whenever they get upset about the timer ending, they might actually be crying about other endings that have been hard or perhaps times when things didn't go their way and they didn't have any control over it. So it's actually incredibly healing for them to feel that disappointment, this small disappointment of the timer going off and you're right there empathizing with them and listening. And the thing is that we can't shelter our children from life's disappointments, but we can support them through in this lovely way. So, you know, what better way? Like the timer goes off, they're upset and they're upset because they love your attention. They have loved this. This is what they are craving and they just want more and more of it. <laughs> um, but by you, it's OK for you to say this is over. And I know this can be hard, especially if you're somebody who likes to people please or who finds it hard to say no. Uh, and that's an invitation for you to notice that as well. But it's okay for the timer to end and it's okay for them to have their upset. And you can be right there with them, helping them with that disappointment. And you can reassure them, we're gonna do this again soon. I know you love it, but it's over for now. And allowing them to feel that disappointment and shed all those feelings of disappointment um, that, that they've been stored away in their little emotional backpack for probably quite some time they get to share that with you and they get to empty it out and that is part and parcel of physical play it can be such an opportunity for kids to work on some big feelings that they've been carrying around with them so of course there's going to be upsets during uh, physical play and of course there's going to be upsets when the timer finishes it's not a disaster in fact it's the opposite it means you're doing it right it means you're really deeply connecting with your child it means you feel they feel safe enough to share with you what's going on underneath the surface that you're connecting on this deeper level and they're like oh i feel that connection and here's what's really going on for me i've been sitting on these big feelings for quite some time and they've been making me act out in all sorts of tricky ways but now i get to share that with you i get to offload those feelings and then i get to go back to being my sunny, happy, more flexible, more cooperative self. So whenever you're able to listen to those big feelings, you will notice that in other aspects of um, your life and your relationship with your child, things can get a lot easier because they have let go of some of that rigidity and some of that stress and strain and some of those big feelings. So your whole day can go better. So welcome those big feelings. <laughs> they're such a, they're, they're, they're so helpful to allow your child to have those feelings. It's really normal. It's human, normal human emotions that they're expressing. And that is one of the great benefits of physical play. Okay, so number nine is have fun, have fun with it. Delight in your child, notice their excitement, notice their creativity, how they go about trying to push you off the mattress notice their strength and like they're just how wonderful they are what wonderful little people they are and you know for those 10 minutes 
uh, just really delight in them and pour all your warmth and love and attention onto them and they will just lap that up they will love that and they will internalize that feeling so i invite you to notice how you feel towards your child afterwards and you you can be quite sure that they are having that same warm and fuzzy loved up feeling too it's such a they're internalizing that and it's such a lovely thing so notice it in yourself notice it in your child and then that will help it to be sustainable whenever you notice how it makes you feel afterwards whenever you have that bit of resistance to play you can say oh but hold on a minute i always feel great after i have that play and i feel so connected to my kids afterwards so um just really noticing that and being aware of it can help make this a sustainable practice as well but you'll want more of it number 10 is to make it a tradition in your family and this is about making it sustainable as well so instead of like say having a tradition lots of families have like family movie night or family board game night which are really lovely things of course but what about having a tradition of a, like a saturday night pillow fight or sunday night wrestling and that will hold you accountable because once you say you know we had a tradition for a long time of this like sunday night wrestling and as soon as my kids realized it was sunday night they were like it's wrestling night and there's no way around it you're not going to get out of it so you have to and then i would tell myself okay it's only 10 minutes i can do it for 10 minutes um, and that uh, so that holds you accountable and it also just makes it happen in your family and it makes it this lovely tradition that your kids will will remember and probably something that they'll bring into their own families perhaps whenever they grow up okay so um or you know you could build in a tradition say of like 10 minutes of physical play into bedtime routine and you know i talked about this at the beginning whenever you do it early on in the bedtime routine and give your kids a chance to come down afterwards that bedtime will actually go so much better whenever you have like 10 minutes of physical play conventional parenting wisdom is all about oh don't ramp them up at bedtime but in fact often that's just what kids need they need a bit of excitement a bit of connection a bit of like you know feeling really safe and feeling loved and then they can come back down from that and then they've internalized that and they're actually you know bedtime tends to go much better after that so just finding these ways of building the tradition of building the culture of physical play into your family it's just going to make it happen more often and um you will all reap the benefits of that okay and my final point number 11 is that resistance to physical play is really normal so if you're listening to all of this and you're like oh my god i just don't want to do it i'm not a playful person or if you start and you do it a few times and then you just can't bring yourself to play uh you know first of all it's probably a sign that you are full up that you don't have a lot of capacity and so anything you can do any way you can find getting more support getting more rest getting your own needs taken care of it's really hard to keep giving when your own needs aren't being met so maybe it's an opportunity to take stock of that and think okay how can i get a little bit more rest how can i have a little bit more capacity so that's one thing to notice another thing just to be aware of is if you have a lot of resistance to physical play that you know most of us we weren't played with in this way or we didn't have this level of, uh, of emotional connection offered to us by our parents. So if that's the case, it's really, really hard to offer that to our children. If, if you didn't receive that yourself, it's really hard to give that. So um, 
so it's absolutely normal and loads of parents probably most parents have a lot of resistance to physical play for that reason um, and the thing is that you can learn to be playful you can just fake it until you make it you know just set the timer and give it a go and you know it takes a little bit of practice and you can feel a little bit silly at the beginning or you can feel that resistance but if you can commit to just hitting go on that timer and giving it a go it does get easier and you get more playful i was the least playful parent when i started out i didn't see the importance i didn't see the need i didn't have any desire to be physically play playful but i you know you can learn these skills and now i'm so glad it is a part of our family um and of course it is absolutely okay not to play if you're feeling too tired or too stressed you go easy on yourself don't beat yourself up about it but if you can you know if, if it does happen and you do feel like it really celebrate the times that you are able to play with your kids and yeah i've heard this argument that i've heard people say that it's it isn't fair to ask parents to play with their kids when they are already doing so much and yes i totally agree that parents really don't need another thing another thing on their list that they should be doing another thing to feel bad about because they aren't doing but you know let's go easy on ourselves so and whenever we notice that critical voice coming in saying why you know you're meant to play i was meant to play with my kids before bedtime and i didn't do it i invite you just to bring in like a really compassionate voice of like look you've done so much today already you're tired you don't feel like it that's completely okay you are still a good parent so i invite you to be super kind to yourself when you can't play and then the flip side of that is when you do play is to be so proud of yourself and uh, give yourself a big pat on the back and say, woohoo, I played with my child once this week. That is amazing. I'm so super proud of myself. Um, and then to notice the difference it makes. And then sometimes you can make that choice to play because you know that it makes a difference. You know that bedtime will go more easily. You know how much it means to your child and like how much they love it on a maybe after a separation from you or on a Sunday night when they're apprehensive about going to school. It can really make a huge difference. So whenever you start noticing that, you can make that choice to play with them and then you can really celebrate that and even if it only happens once a month instead of going oh my god you know there was you know 30 days out of the month that i didn't play with my child just flip that round and be like well one day i did one day this month i played and that's amazing that's more than last month i'm super proud of myself and maybe i'll do it again in another month's time or two months time whatever it might be so let's just look at the strengths and look at everything we are doing instead of being hard on ourselves okay so I think that's everything. That's everything you need to get started. So I am hoping uh, that my hope for you is that you're feeling inspired, um, you know, to, so that's all you need. Like pick a time, give it a go. If it all goes wrong, give me a shout. I would be delighted to hear what's happening, what's hard. And often just with a few little tweaks and a little nudge in the right direction, you can really turn things around and uh you know get really get physical play working in your family so i would absolutely love to hear from you if you're having any challenges or to share any successes because sometimes people don't get it you know <laughs> like sharing with work colleagues woohoo i didn't feel like it but i played with my child for 10 minutes last night uh sometimes they they maybe just don't quite get it so i get it though so send me an email it makes me so happy because i'm passionate about this <laughs> send me an email and tell me how play is in your family and cel I'll celebrate that success with you that would be so lovely 
So thank you so much for listening. It is so great to be here talking about my favorite topic and I will talk to you again next time. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening, I would be so grateful if you left a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. This will really help me to reach more parents. You could also share the podcast with any other hardworking parents you think might enjoy it. Thanks for your support. Thank you.